It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. Hi, everybody. This is Wade. And this is Siggy, and you're listening to You Watched It Wrong, where we're continuing our miniseries on Wacky Races, a whole wonderful subgenre that's going on and on. There's so many, so many good ones to choose from, so many that, in fact, we thought we were going to be doing 1977 Scavenger Hunt. We told you that was going to be the next episode, but... Lo and behold, we discovered another qualifier that fits right into our timeline, and so we thought we're going to change course, take a little detour, get off of the established track, <laughs> as these movies tend to do. And, yes, and, uh, and bring you a, a, an unexpected a treat of a wacky race. Yeah, that's right. We, this demanded that we talk about this uh, for several reasons. One, because it's a, it's a rare treat, and two... Because it recently uh, made quite a uh, its predecessor made quite a stir uh, in the world recently. Of course, we're uh, we're talking about the little known sequel to Jean Dielman Vantois Quad du Commerce Mille Quatre Van Bruxelles. There was a follow up that I'd never heard of. Did you heard of this? I'd never either. There was a follow up that they made two years later in 1977 called Jean Dielman. Apal Porsche, 1600 GT, Van Cat Eus Dumont, 1977. Or for those of you who didn't study French and need the numbers said in English <laughs> at least, right? That would be 1600, or Apal Porsche, 1600 GT, 24 Hours of Le Mans, the, uh, 1977. That's so right. Sa- same race as Ford v. Ferrari, except... Uh, in the next decade and exactly. following the adventures of uh, Jean Dielman. <laughs> so they went from the end of Jean Dielman, which if you haven't seen uh, Jean Dielman, you might want to pause this episode because, you know, we're probably talking a lot about that movie too, because yeah. it's, it's, it's a, dis- it's simultaneously a huge departure uh, in setting and, and kind of tone, but also the same tone as the first one. So, Despite the fact that she's now in a a um, uh, a Porsche, I don't know how to say Apal. They don't. We just like her name. We don't ever she's hear in a race the words car. race car. She's in a race yeah. car the entire time, um, but we don't. So we don't hear any of the, the words. In a twenty-four hour endurance race. <laughs> I tell you, the first at, movie felt like twenty-four hours at, uh, at top speeds exceeding two hundred miles per hour. We <laughs> we learn at one point. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, to be honest, I I had never heard of the um, Jean Dielman one um, until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then it made a big splash when Sight and Sound uh, and the British Film Institute had their d- decadely poll every decade. And it was the big surprise number one winner, um, which caused a lot of reaction um right. both from from fans and from people who are like what the hell uh, like, we've never heard of this movie how could this yeah. movie be the greatest why isn't it the batman you know how right how can this be the greatest movie of all time which first of all i want to set the record straight 
the sight and sound poll is not measuring what is the greatest movie of all time. Despite saying that it's what it's voting If you at. look at their methodology, that's not even mm-hmm. what it's attempting to do. It's Okay, what so it's, what is it? What it's measuring is the film most often cited as great. Oh, okay. Right? Through, through, through just publications? Because you give, you give uh, your top 10, and if it was the number 10 movie on everyone's list, it, it's going to be the number one movie. Right. Right. If it's just like, like every no single, single person that- had to say it was the single. In fact, uh, mental exercise. If there was a movie, if you had expanded the list to 11. Right. Don't change anything. But just say mm-hmm. everybody submit your top 11 and everybody or 50 percent of those people had the same movie at a number 11. That movie would be the number one. Number now. one. Right. Okay. Right. Like it's not. It's not trying to measure. It's not, like aver- what- it's not an average. You're right. It's, it's no. It's- uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not like really weighting it because um, you can't because you're not giving your top twenty. You're not giving your top one hundred. Right. You're just right, giving right. your top ten, and all you need it, just, it was it was the most often in people's top ten, but it didn't mean it was right. anybody's number one. And um, it you know it could reflect just a lot of people thinking this movie deserves recognition. Yeah, and Which so you, they squeeze it into their top ten. Like, I, that's my right. gut feeling of exactly what happened. Which is fine. Yeah, um, and, and you know, and I, in my opinion, it got I think me it, to watch the movie, which I'm glad I did. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I I don't know where I heard of it, but I watched it about two years ago. I watched it around like, somewhere in 2021, and I I honestly I was thinking about it. I don't remember what made me aware of it. And I watched it, and in, in one day I didn't break it up because I, 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 I don't think you should. <laughs> but um, it's one of those movies that I was dying to talk to about someone, and I did think it was a masterpiece, but I also would never tell someone to see it. I would never <laughs> tell someone to endure, endure it, really. I mean, because uh, not to say that it is a horrible experience. It was not a horrible experience. But it is definitely a... Is definitely experience that that if you aren't prepared for what it is, you could. I can see some people getting very frustrated for sure. Yeah, I, I was fortunate to see it in a theater. It was God, screened wonder, recently in Ann Arbor. Um, that would have been like there were there were some walkouts. <laughs> um, the 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 person sitting directly in front of me, about twenty minutes in, thirty minutes in, was clearly feeling his girlfriend out to see if they could leave. <laughs> And she wanted to stay, and so he settled in to go to sleep. Uh, it was the, it's the kind of movie where you, you do have to kind of lock yourself in and not permit yourself to um, pause yeah. or leave the room uh, for it to really work. Uh, in, in those circumstances, it really worked. But that's three and a half hours um, yeah. and uh, of, of mostly of a woman doing uh, chores. And you know it's more than that, but it's a lot of that. It's, yeah, it's, it's there's a, it's there's there's zero exposition and almost as much dialogue um, in that three hours. It's I mean, I think it would be doing it a disservice to call it three and a half hours of watching a woman do chores and errands for over the course of three and a half days. I think that would be that's selling it short, because basically when you watch and, and and why I think and I don't want to say boredom, but the the, the boredom and the mundanity and everything I think uh, with that movie is uh, so important because you then you start to see 
the ever slight variations in the next day's chores that when things start going wrong, the smallest thing just reverberates with like huge, huge reverberation. Like it's suddenly, you know, dropping a potato is suddenly a huge deal and like you feel it. Um, and so that and alone makes it, I think, a masterfully told story. Um, there's never a moment where you don't know what's at stake. And the, the actress who played uh, Delphine Sayrig, I believe is how you say her name, the lead actress, she gives you so much to think about with just the slightest of actions or inactions. Um, I do think it's a masterpiece of cinema. Uh, one thing, though, it is not hypnotic. It, it doesn't cast a spell over you that compels you to keep watching. So it is kind of an endurance test in a way. And I think that's also part of its importance because if it was this breezy three and a half hours, of, oh, wow, that went by quick, then the point of the movie, I think, is gone. You know? Well, writer, director Chantal Ackerman, is that how you say your name? I believe you so. You studied French. I didn't. Right. Um, I didn't study Belgium. Uh, so, I mean, so, so she's. <laughs> Uh, she did a, she, she had an artistic success, not so much a financial success. Yeah. Um, her box office, I think the numbers I saw was under $20,000. Wow. Um, at the time. So, but somehow maybe it was just enthusiasm from the, uh, I don't know who, um, or maybe she got another grant cause the, the first one was funded on a government grant. Maybe she got an, a second grant. I don't know. But she, she made a sequel. She took another bite yeah. at the apple, right? She took another boil at the potato. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she made this race car movie. So it, it seems like a real departure. And it's really hard to find information on this yeah. movie and, and figure out, like, what the motivations were. Like, is she trying to draw a parallel between what happened in the first movie and... Uh, and the life of Jean Dielman as a race car driver is, is, is she just like had to continue telling this woman's story? Um, was she just a big race car enthusiast and wanted and bank it on the way name? to make one? You know, yeah. was it a one for them, one for me kind of situation? I don't know. That's like, kind of what I'm, I'm, if I had to put money on it, that's what I would think it is. Cause there's so little information out there about this movie. We can't. Uh, we can only speculate, but if if you're just going, uh, if you're using your admittedly subjective viewpoint about how well the movie works, how well both the first one and this one work, yeah, as a metric as to the investment of the artist behind the wheel at the helm, I'm I'm gonna have to say I don't feel it behind the wheel, pun intended. <laughs> I don't feel it on the wheel uh, in the second one like I do in the first one. I kind of, I think it's a, it's a one for them. So, so someone you, oh, must you, have been pushing for a sequel. Yeah, that's what I think. You think because her, her you're like feeling the studio notes on on this one. Yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, they're not they're not pulling the. Uh, it's not as cohesive, I think. And I'll like, agree with that. Yeah, I'll agree the, with that. Yeah. And like, so her, her, her next movie, which is, um, oh God, Le Rendezvous de Anna, I think is what it's called, Meeting with Anna. Her next movie after this comes right on the heels, comes at 1978. So like, okay. I'm thinking she's wanting to make this movie. They say, no, 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 Gene Deal, like Studio, like Garant or Canal, Studio Canal or something, whoever's putting this movie out. I'd have to say I didn't even notice because I think the, the thing I saw was chopped off at the beginning because I think it was a bootleg. So, like, yeah. 
the the um the I don't I don't really know who the studio is behind it, but whoever it was, I was like, no, we need that John Dealman ma- <laughs> Dealman magic. And she's tried to push her new original thing, and 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 I, this is just I'm totally projecting onto her because it's yeah. A, yeah. Well, so but, I don't I, mean, I, don't, I shouldn't do that. I I'm mansplaining. <laughs> the one thing I could find, and it was like deep in a subreddit mm. thread, and I have no idea. I couldn't oh verify it, but that this wasn't the original idea for a sequel. That um, first she was exploring doing Jean Dielman to Laundry Day. But oh, then okay. somehow it the project morphed or, or took a, a left turn into or a series of left turns into um, Jean Dielman at Paul Porsche sixteen hundred GT twenty four Oud de Man nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, I mean, I guess Lino Le Mans was was big at the time. Right? When did Steve McQueen's Le Mans come out? Oh, I don't know. He did a movie called Le Mans, right? I think it was this. It was either sixties or seventies. But like, I mean, obviously our series is cataloging the race movies of the time. Gumball yeah. Rally was a few years before, right? Or same year. When was Gumball Rally? Gumball Rally was 75. Okay. No, 76. 76. 76. So, yeah. So, so Jean, Jean Dealman hits. Gumball Rally hits. You know, the producer's like, hey, let's. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Let's uh, get in on this. Cannonball, exclamation point. Uh, Paul Bartels. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and they did better money, money than 20,000, you know, francs. And I'm going to want to get back to Paul Bartel and compare and contrast styles. Um, but first, oh, since yeah, you're bringing up release dates, maybe let's talk about the numbers real quick. Okay. Um, so release date was June uh, June 2nd, 1977. So it was in the summer. Wow. And um, it didn't make a splash. I couldn't find any budget or box numbers on this. But if that date sounds familiar that's one week after the premiere of star wars <laughs> when it goes wide right <laughs> not oh, yeah. a, no, not bad timing bad for, timing bad for timing. ackerman right <laughs> to try to make a big hit um so if she was trying to go more commercial they their strategy couldn't have been worse right if that was the intent yeah and i, I think that might have helped bury this um the runtime is a, a nice, tidy 179 minutes, so 22 yeah. minutes shorter than uh, Jean Dielman 1. Two Sounds minutes like shorter <laughs> than Avengers Endgame. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a nice bit of trivia. Doesn't move as fast as no. Avengers Endgame, I would Which say. is weird because you're mostly in a racing car the whole time. You'd think it would yeah. move faster, but yeah. Endgame, Endgame goes by like a blink in the eye, in my opinion, and... This movie, who boy. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it is keeping in form with the, the first one in that sense. It is, it's its own kind of yes. endurance uh, test, for sure. Yes, which, uh, there, there were, a long time ago, there was a, um, I think I brought this up before on the podcast, there was a, um, there was like a, a Coca-Cola ad or a Pepsi ad or something where a kid was imagining all these athletes in his room and he had like Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky and, then they had like Dale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. there, and I was like, "Well, he's not an athlete. Race car driving is not an athletic thing." And then I heard a Dale Earnhardt Jr. interview, I think on Ben Stein's talk show he had on for a while, and they were talking <laughs> about how it got up to like 140 degrees in the cockpit, and and how he's the 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 strength that he has to weight train for his arm to hold the wheel down to turn mm. left all the time and i was thinking and i that changed my mind i was like oh my god no they are totally athletes 
Like I was going to okay. put race car driver below bowler as like <laughs> like legitimate <laughs> athlete because you're seated and, uh, <laughs> and just driving. But no, they're they're athletes. I completely well, agree. So I, like, I guess John John Dealman uh, was really with all that elbow grease. She was. Taking it in stride, it appeared. That she, yeah, all that scrubbing and it paid <laughs> yeah, all off. that scrubbing really paid off because it didn't look like she didn't break a sweat that whole time. Um, okay, well, that's all the the numbers I have, but let's run into the to the cast. So um, these the wacky race subgenre they tend to be ensemble comedies. They tend right. to kind of sustain themselves on their cameo appearances and keeping you interested that way. This is really, I think, our lightest entry. Yeah. You know, we had said Gumball Rally had the least star wattage. This one really, like, well, well, I guess if you saw the first one, it's not a surprise that the cast is pretty small. Yeah, this has the um, least cast wattage. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, I mean, re- reprising a role. For puns. <laughs> Reprising her role uh, as as Jean Dielman is mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Delphine Sayrig. Delphine? Delphine? Delphine. Delphine. Delphine Sayrig. Please uh, write in then, and let us know if we're wrong. Um, Sylvan is recast, so they yeah. didn't get uh, Jan Decourt back. But um, they got some, uh, what's his, uh, what is his name? Younger. Did they Terrence Howard him? <laughs> <laughs> he actually looks like a teenager this time, but I couldn't find any other credits for him, and I can't even find his name right here. But the yeah. the only other notable faces are um, we have a um, in the pit crew is Jim Carter, mm. um, better known from Downton Abbey, or or my favorite, uh, or if you are looking for him speaking French uh, as Deja Vu in Top Secret. In Top Secret, that's right. Deja Vu. Oh, I, 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 I love this guy. I, every time I see him, he, he light, I, my face lights up because uh, I just keep thinking he has my favorite moment. And I did say this on the podcast before. My favorite moment in Top Secret is when he tells Nick after uh, uh, his girlfriend, uh, the woman he's interested in, finds her old boyfriend. And he says, Nick, uh, we all have to uh, deal with life's little miseries. In, uh, with a mature and adult fashion. And then he <laughs> blows his nose into his hands, looks at it, starts screaming, and then jumps through a closed window. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the movie. So, hmm, chef's kiss, Jim Carter. So, yeah, so when he turned it up as Sylvan... It seems you have become, how do you say, <laughs> indispensable? Indispensable. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. <laughs> That was uh, that was Duquan. No, um, yeah, that was Duquan. But yeah, oh, okay. When he brings when Latrine brings in the pigeon, ah, I see you have dro- dealt with the traitor appropriately. No, you numbskulls. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Um, uh, so yeah, so he's in the uh, pit. Then- he's the he's the chief pit crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I guess he's the one. I mean, he looks like he's. Coordinating things, or I, I, I don't, we don't see he much seems of to him. have we the just, most ballast as a as a pit crew member because we really only see the pit crew as she walks through from the car to the resting area. We don't you really don't see, spend any time. Well, I with mean, them. she takes a few pit stops. You have to in a twenty four hour right. race, but um, I don't think we're getting. 
I think there is a little time compression in this movie. Um, well, we'll, a little we'll bit, talk a little about, bit. I guess we'll talk about that. Um, but then rounding on our cast, and this is really it, is we get a brief uh, cameo from Andy Warhol. And, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when that, that comes up. But that, that's it for that's our cast. That's really it. That's all there yeah. is. Oh, who plays who plays the uh, the person she switches off with? I couldn't. I don't know. Yeah, we don't really get I, a good shot look at his face either. No, um, I don't know if you see his face. It kind of. I mean, it kind of. It kind of looked like Jim Neighbors, but I don't. Yeah, like, a that little doesn't bit. See him. That doesn't. I mean, they spent so much time with her just taking his jumpsuit and folding it and putting it on the chair and then giving him his coat and putting it on and limp brushing him and then he walks out while she then puts on the suit this uh, her suit and then uh, i mean they spend so much time with it it's amazing we don't ever see his face yeah i mean there's not a lot of interpersonal interaction between no. them you know she doesn't pretty... inter- she doesn't communicate with her crew she doesn't even co- communicate with her pit boss or her other driver so yeah. this is continuing the themes of isolation and um, and uh, uh, not antisocial, but just non-social yeah. behavior from the yeah. first movie. Rather. What's going on with Jean Dim? And, hmm. Well, the biggest question, if we can dive into it, can we dive into yeah. it? Yeah. The and, biggest and question. We should probably talk about how the movie opens. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, sure. So... Um, so you know we've talked about conventions of the of the wacky race subgenre um, during the epic phase. You know it's a madman yeah. madman world and the great race, etc. Like there's always a scene where the race gets proposed or where people learn about the race and know what the hear what the prize is going to be, right? Right. And then we get into the outlaw phase where we move past that and it's a given that the race is happening and it's really about people's other motivations. It's not so much about winning the race as something else they want to accomplish. And then Gumball Rally kind of uh, uh, futzes with that. This is like, I thought, like, given the ending of Jean Dielman 1, where um, that this might be another entry in the outlaw version of Wacky Races, and like, right. oh, she's on the run, or she's like assumed a secret identity or something, or um, I don't know, she's racing for her freedom somehow. Right. Uh, but we don't get any kind of no. context like that. Like it, we don't even see the start of the race. We don't even see no. the green flag. Like the, we're when we, our first shot is just a camera, f- like from the vantage point of what uh, the, the dashboard, and mm-hmm. it's just her face, you know. And she's already in the race. We don't even know what lap we're on or what no. hour we're in. You know, we're not given any kind of context. Uh, and it's just like it's just like being dropped into her you know, doing the dishes or preparing yeah. dinner. Um, uh, here she is; she's doing work today, and her work is driving in twenty-four hours of Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's not comical in the movie, but it's it's funny to think about it. Just suddenly, we go from that movie to here because the first movie. Now, again, we really encourage you to see these movies before we were going to spoil some of the first movie, but the end of the first movie leaves so many questions like what happens when Sylvan comes home and finds her there 
What happens yeah. with the body in the other room? Like, do the police come? Does she leave? Does she submit to the police? Does she run from the police? You know, yeah. none of that really matters to the point that that movie is making. So it just kind of ends. Um, but if you're going to pick up and continue this um, character, then and they, it's clearly two years later. Well, I don't know. Do they ever say the date in the first one? It's in the title. Uh, well, no, they don't. No, but it, it's in the title of this one. It's in the title of this. Um, I mean, I, I well, I guess I don't know what life in 1975 Brussels was like, but it the vibe of the movie is this is Seems a contemporary, contemporary. Right. Sto- a story of a contemporary woman. Yeah, right. A modern so woman. we don't know if she is she under, like you said is she an under assumed name? Did she? Did she get charged and then let out? We don't, they give us nothing. So they're basically telling us either, you know, most people would be waiting on when are these things going to be revealed? Spoiler alert, they are not going to be revealed. No. So like, then you're like, okay, well, this is a different, we're going to have to look for something else. That's not that point. And in I fact, have the a only theory about, yeah? I've got a theory about where we are, but, but you're right. Like there's nothing overt that tells you like, what like was she tried and right and exonerated or or uh, what? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, and the only reason we know it's actually her and not like, I mean, this could. I mean, I don't think multiverse was uh, on everyone's lips at the time, so I doubt we're. It, this is just another version of Gene Dealman in the universe. It's but, a reboot. Uh, <laughs> it's a reboot, right? But like. um uh, and there's certain references that uh, Sylvan makes that alludes to during the dinners, and we'll get to that. Uh, that uh, makes it seems that uh, uh, that this is taking place after the events of the first one. It's it's not. I mean, you can speculate, you can read into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the only reason we know what, that it's actually Jean Dillman is because you kind of hear it on the PA as she goes by the stands. Yeah. Again, we don't really see the stands. The camera usually stays pretty much fixed inside that cab. Um, yeah. Well, that right. first so, shot, I thought, like, because it's a long shot. It's like, what? It's a very eight long minute, shot. It's yeah. like an eight-minute long shot. It's, right? like, it's, like, and, it's like a camera mag reel. You know, it's like how long, how much film is in the camera. Hey, good point. Um, I, you Thank know, you. and I was, like, watching it, like, you, well, you, you brought it up that Me? it was, like, the opening shot of Drive. Right. Yeah, totally. Because right. um, when I saw Drive, I was like that opening sequence where he's they're getting away and the camera never it's a car chase where he's yeah. trying to run from the cops. But the camera never leaves the cab. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And they yeah. pulled it off beautifully. So and now, now we thinking, understand that that was a reference to John Gilman. 24 hours yeah. a month. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's um, so. But he, that and, shot was from through the windshield. Right. And so some I'm were. thinking. Yeah. Because you saw you saw this before I did, and you 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 told me about it. Um, right, I found it on Vimeo. Uh, I just I just happened to stumble across it when I, I'd heard about the move, the existence of the movie. I was going through some old Starlog magazines of all things, and I saw some reference to it when they were talking about something else that Delphine was in. And okay. I was like, what, what, what's this? And then I was searching for it. I found a link on Vimeo. I watched it. I told you about it. But by the time you got to it, you I said. I followed the link and the link was, the, it it was, was taken down. They took it down. It didn't even have the title up. Like it was no, like just, there was, it was like a blank it was page. Scrubbed, yeah. How and did you actually so, end up seeing it then? Well, I, I searched and searched for it. I 
ended up it was on a vintage toy website and like in between really? entries between like micronauts and battle beasts and sylvanian <laughs> families and stuff there was a a three cassette oh my god bootleg uh, and three um uh betamax in pal format that i ordered i had to go to the university to like the the digital forensics lab that they use when like Robert Altman donates his archives and they have to like figure out how to get everything off of this old stuff. So I I I couldn't even get a uh, a dump of it. I had to watch it in the lab on like an eight inch monitor. Wow! That you use just to make sure that the transfer is going okay, right? And so um, and so what? it would you know. My mouth. Do you see my mouth is on the floor? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was amazed. I got the the tapes in time to record this. I was really worried because it was. I had. It was like from. Uh, it was from Malta or something. It was like I didn't even get tracking information. <laughs> wow. It just showed up by my door. What a uh, Two days ago. So. Well, um, so you heard so, it first. When you start looking for micronauts and micro machines, you can find the craziest stuff. That's great. Yeah, 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 and it it didn't even it like cost eight dollars. I don't know. They I guess they didn't know what they had. <laughs> eight dollars. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The shipping costs more than than the tapes. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I saw it. But, but so you had told me about it, and you were kind of um, raving about the drive connection. And so I'm watching it, and you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, just visualizing you describing it, I was picturing a shot through the windshield. Yeah. And so I was really struck by the fact that we're not, and normally you would see like a hood mount. Right. Um, but this is like, it's on the dashboard. And so it's a super wide lens. I don't know um, how wide this lens was. It wasn't fisheyed. Um, you know, and these lenses at that time, they were giant. I don't know how they, I mean, I, w- I would love to see like iTunes extras on this. Like how, what camera did they use that was available at that time? Because now there's yeah. GoPros and, you know, all these things. That at least you can say, okay, it can fit in there. It may not look I great, mean, but it'll fit in there. They what? I mean, it's it's not rear projection. I mean, she's actually no. driving live on a track, right? Yeah, they, she's so, really driving. I and mean, maybe it's, it's a tow rig, but she looks like she's driving. And But here's the thing is, like, like you say, like they must have removed the windshield, and done it with the hood mount. But I don't know how remo- else they, they couldn't could. remove the windshield because then her hair and everything is not blowing. Right. She- I can't figure out how they did it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Maybe like they had to build like a custom front on the car. But I mean, the, the budget on this movie can't be. How, what was the budget of this movie? I don't know. It's I weird. really wish there was more written about this. I know. I don't know. Dude, I, I kind of get the feeling that that Chantal Ackerman didn't want. Like was okay with it, kind of being buried. I don't think she, because there's what, nothing. Was she happy with the results? Was it? Was it like a, a battle with the studio? Yeah. Um, and she didn't feel like she got to make her vision. I it's it's. I mean, I don't know. That's left to the ages. Like, we don't really know. I mean, yeah. is there? Uh, I mean, I'm, I kept looking for any sort of, and, I, and of course you on that little screen i i'm just imagining you hunched over that he says <laughs> an eight inch screen i don't yeah. know if that's a more exciting way to watch something or a <laughs> more like aggravating it, way i don't it know it did make you it did make me like going back to like when you were a kid and you're watching something you feel like you shouldn't be watching you know mm, like this mm-hmm. shouldn't this shouldn't exist and i shouldn't be allowed to see it you know so yeah. it did give me kind of a special thrill like i was being naughty yeah or you were you were unearthing something 
even. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, like somebody digitized it because at one point it was on Vimeo. So. Yeah. And why do they? I don't know. That's like its own story. That's its own mystery. If anybody how out there it knows. And how did it come down? Down. Exactly. So, so if anyone out there knows it's, the mystery of this uh, uh, digitized uh, the, or the fate of this digitized movie. Please is someone know. coming to my house to take away my Betamax tapes? <laughs> no, like, one, there, no one takes away my Florida Lines of Resolution. Is there a reason And now you're I'm going to be worried. A, okay, maybe hey. Jean Diem is not the only one who's running for her life from the law. <laughs> okay, so we, we open with that, with that shot, dashboard shot. Right. And for the first, like, what, like half an hour... Of the movie, we're yeah, just it's, it's, in the cockpit of the car. Do we call it a cockpit when it's a car? I've been trying. It's either a cab, but it feels more like a cockpit because you're going so dang fast. Let's call it a cockpit. Because you're going out, get, it's a cockpit. Here's the thing: is you spend a lot of time watching Jean Dillman race in this car. You don't <laughs> spend a lot of time seeing the other race cars. No, you, you barely right? see them. I, we have no. I have no idea. Through the majority of the movie, I have no idea. How, where they are in relation to her or what position she's in. Yeah. Is like, she ahead? Sometimes is she like with the angle, you can get like the periphery of what's happening like out the side windows or the rear yeah. window. Um, you never, you never get a shot out the, the dashboard or no. the, the windshield, the, the windshield. entire movie. And I don't think. Yeah. You think every driving movie has the point of view shot. There's no point of view shot as far as I know. I, I think if it would done that, I would have gotten, it would have been a real shock. But yeah. we never got it. Um, no, every time it, you kind of see a hint of a car like like moving, like every now and again you'll see like the color blue, kind of like a pass out of focus behind her, like getting from mm-hmm. one lane to the other. It's yeah. it's it's viscerally exciting because you, for being in a race car, you see nothing. Well, there is the one. Okay, there's the one shot. It's like well, there's the one. Yeah, the one, and and uh, we'll build up to that. But you right. know what you do see of the other cars. Uh, you can see, and I, I checked the historical um, photographs, and this was true, is that there was a mix of different style of cars. I don't know what the rules are for Le Mans, but right. some are like, they look like Formula One or Grand Prix style cars, where it's like an open, like the old style, is like right. an open cockpit, like you're hunched down in a, like, you got like your a goggles little pod and... race car, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's ones that just look like a, Porsche you would see on the street, except with the racing paint job, where it's got a windshield and like a two seats uh, next You're to You're not fighting the wind, 200 mile wind in your face. Yeah. And so like, how do you make the strategic decision of whether, whether you're going to get a windshield or not in your car? I don't know um, if that just all comes down to aerodynamics. I, I would think I, I, I have no idea. Um, given the choice, I'd prefer the windshield. If I'm shooting a movie, I definitely want the windshield and that's the way... <laughs> Right. <laughs> that they went. Um, that makes sense. But but we, you know, th- there's a few. It's kind of like John Dealman one in that the further it goes, like the more angles you get around the car. And like, yeah, you, it's you kind get a little like, bit more hint of what the environment she's in as it goes on. Yeah. And it's not like she is not like in in one where like she'll go and sit down in a chair that you've been seeing in the background, but you didn't see her sitting before. And now you get a new camera angle that you've never seen. And it's like, you know, you're two hours into this movie and it's really exciting that you got a new camera, a new angle, you know, 
she doesn't get to go up and move around, but it is like when you get the the um, the back seat shot and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm in the back seat, but I still can't see through the windshield. You know? What's the what's the opposite of a frog boiling in water? <laughs> That's what this is like. <laughs> Every little bit, it's like, ooh, what's that? Um, we do get a little bit more of the cab when um, you know when she has to watch the baby again. Yeah, yeah, and and we don't get we don't see the baby. No, we still don't see that baby, and it's it's pretty quiet, baby too. We don't really, yeah, hear especially. It. I mean, it's not just the war of the engine covering that baby up. I mean, the it only cries when she picks it up, and she's too busy driving. So she's I too guess. busy driving. Yeah, and by yeah. pick it up, she's just still the carrier because she's still just you know the person comes to the door while she's on her pit stop, asks to take hold, watch the baby. She says okay, and then she takes it right into the car after folding the other guy's no, jumpsuit. No time. car seat. I mean, it's 1977, but still. like She just puts the thing in the back seat. a basket or something. Like, yeah, that's when we first get introduced to the back seat, right? When, when, yeah. Yeah. Which I when don't, the baby they, gets I don't think there. that's supposed to be the baby's point of view. That shot. No, it's not. Because you, you kind of see the, the, the handle of the bassinet or whatever like yeah. kind of in the fort in there. I think it's just to kind of remind you. I mean, it's, really, it's an interesting shot. Um it's I like because like it moves away th- from it. Like it's like we're forgetting about the baby too, right? Know? And and she's obviously not concentrating on the baby. She's concentrating no, on the she's race, not. Right. right? Which is probably a good idea. She should be focused on the road. A lot going right. on there. But the the fact that the camera's in the backseat with the baby is like we're, we're conscious that she's not paying attention to the baby, but we're also forced to not pay attention to. But like, yeah. we're like straining, like you're straining your head to like turn to the right and like, where's the, the where's the, how's the baby doing? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's, a, I, I, I struggle thinking about this because I was like, not struggled. It was interesting thinking about this because in the first movie, she just takes the baby and she sets it down and goes back to the kitchen and we're in the kitchen with her. And the whole yeah. time you're thinking, you're not looking at the baby, but you're thinking <laughs> about the baby. You're like, there's a I'm baby. Like, uh, you, you remember there's a, baby in the other room right, <laughs> right. There's, there's a baby in there so in this one i don't know if it was just a matter of logistics like the cab is so small that to put the camera and the baby like if they shot her from the front unless it was a close-up on her you'd see the baby so she obviously didn't want to see the baby so you do it from the back seat but then was this just a, was that just a practical thing following a rule or was it was it there I, to make us feel like we were with the baby though still separated from the baby. You know, it was it's just fascinating to think about. It, it, you're with the baby, but you're also, like, forced into into Jean's point of view where she she's not looking at the baby, and so you can't look at the baby, right? Yeah, because it's, like, kind of, it's kind of trained so it on the dash. Tension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You kind of sense the baby on the side of the frame, kind of out of what little part of the bassinet is, like, out of focus there. But it's focused on, like, the... the not the dashboard, but the like where the AC control would be in our cars today. Like just so certain yeah. car controls right there. It's kind of focused on that, and you see her hand kind of come up and change something every now and again. Yeah, and uh, and that's all we kind of are dealing. We're dealing with what she's concerned about. Yeah, and so it was, it was fascinating, really, kind of. Yeah, and it's also one of those. I mean, there's a lot of shots of 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 John shifting. Right, she's yeah, a lot of shifting shift, shot. which you'd expect in a race car. Um, a lot of the business of shifting and working the clutch, but this is one of those shots where it's kind of frustrating that the the, the gear shift isn't in the shot, and so like yeah. if you're just looking yeah. at like her shoulder area, um, and you can see that her arm is moving, but you can't see what else is doing. I mean, you can see the steering wheel 
turn. Um, so that's exciting. But if you're not seeing out the dashboard, it's a little hard, or out the windshield. I keep saying yeah. dashboard instead of windshield. <laughs> I wanted to see to through the dashboard because that's what you're looking at for so long <laughs> in the shot. Um, Give me those x-ray eyes. If only she had a little eight-inch monitor on there that could have. Now let, let's be clear. Me. Let's be clear. The we keep saying to, you, you turn the wheel and it's exciting, and you're seeing a gear shift exciting. A lot of race movies will have cuts to like insert shots of the wheels turn the wheel turning, or insert yeah. shots of the feet working the pedals and, and the clutch and the gas. None yeah. of that. Not they in an insert shot. No. No, we don't. They don't cut down <laughs> no. there. So yeah. like you're just kind of seeing her turn in like a you know well not a wide but basically whatever coverage this cab can get you know that's yeah. how we're seeing it but it's still exciting because otherwise it's just her on the straightaways just going <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Just, that's all yeah. we're looking at but the other thing though that's really um, in that backseat shot that's really distracting well not distracting mm-hmm. but tense it like you know um is like you're thinking about how is this baby still a baby it's been two years like like if that did did the first john dillman take place in 1977 we didn't know when it came out in 1975 like that it was set in the future ziggy it don't don't you think that the woman just had another baby. It's possible. Oh, but it's still wearing pink booties. Well, hand me downs. Oh, right. Well, I'm like, well, okay. Look I guess I didn't get out of my into ass. More there's of... no, there's no indication it's not the same baby. You're right. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. There's no indication that it's not the same baby. There's no indication that it is a different baby. I mean, I just thought thematically it would make. I mean, Sylvan is back, and Sylvan looks younger now. Yeah, so I, guess I thought. So. I thought maybe it was connected to that. That you know, they recast Sylvan with an actual teenager, and this baby maybe is younger too. Well, I guess. I mean, now you're making me think that maybe Gene Dillman that one took place in like '78, or like what? Oh, this is a prequel. Yeah, not because like if Sylvan is the younger, Jean one was like a futuristic story. Yeah, it was a futuristic it was like story. A saga is... of what chores were going to be like in the future. Yeah, the like what happened future. to her after her race career that now she's oh she's yeah, retired see, and now oh see I don't, well I don't know because if Sylvan's literally younger, which would explain I thought it was because that the actor had like um you know some sort of public embarrassment that they needed to get rid of or something. I just thought that was what was going on or maybe oh, it was I just hard thought to work that was a studio note that he or studio note looked too old. He looked 27 and he's playing right. a high school kid. Right. But yeah, he's 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 so much younger in this that maybe that's 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 on purpose. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking now now that's that kind of makes me have to rethink a lot of stuff. Cuz if it is a prequel, I mean cuz but if it's a prequel then the baby would be like a fetus. <laughs> So like that doesn't make sense either, unless it, it was no. the, the baby's the baby's older sibling from the first movie that we never see or hear about or know about. All we know is that the neighbor sounds the same because we never saw the neighbor in either movies. I think the neighbor's voice is 
is Chantal Ackerman's voice. Uh, yeah, no, I, okay. I, I read that. You read that? Okay, all right. I thought I read that. I couldn't remember it well enough. Yeah. Like, it's so it's the same thing hard to tell here. if it's the same voice in this one with the roar of the cars racing past, but... Here's another thing to think I about. Think right. Maybe there's no baby at all. Maybe the next door neighbor is a crazy person who just has a doll in a basket. That cries. And some dolls cry. <laughs> okay, it's a dumb idea. Forget it. <laughs> just trying to make sense of what little some dolls eat and pee. You know that? You know about that? Let me go back to the the site where I bought the tapes from and see if there's a crying doll from nineteen seventy seven. All right. That looks like this one. I mean, yeah, since we never see the baby, it's kind of, uh, or, or, or the whole baby, to verify that it's, you know, a real baby. Maybe she's just, uh, maybe Jean is, maybe that's why she's so non-social with the person. And she's just like, okay, I'm going to just enable your craziness. I don't know. Well, then again, this, is us, this is us writing backstory for questions we don't have maybe, answers to. I mean, she that her neighbor keeps going to the butcher every day. Maybe it's like a big ham hock or something. <laughs> Maybe it's a ham baby. Oh, what if what if Jean cooked it in like the third one? Just straight up cooked that. We, we think, oh my God, she's cooking the baby and then when it's cooked, we don't know for sure if it's actually a cooked baby or a ha- cooked ham hock. It could be a Jean Dielman, uh The Menu crossover. <laughs> there you go. Get Ray Fines. I'd watch that. And, and Annie Taylor-Joy and, um, well, uh, <laughs> Delphine has sadly left us, but... I don't know. I think we can make this work. I think we can totally make it work. Ugh. Well, okay. So now, now I'm going to be worried about all my other questions. Um, my other thoughts that we have about this. Okay. Well, let's just go forward. But yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing. Well, you know, again, we've always said that great art means you lay something out for us to lay our own thoughts and ideas on. And this is just yeah. one of those many things. Is this well, a sequel? What... Is it a prequel? Yeah, Don't I mean know. that's the argument for making this a a three hour movie, uh, one minute shy of three hour movie is that you know you you create these big spaces and then your mind just fills it you know right your mind is is searching for meaning it's searching for significance mm-hmm. and then it finds it in the smallest details like babies not aging. What do you feel? Do you feel like the first one and the second one was better at that? I don't know if it's better or just different, but do you think it was better at allowing that space? Because the first one, you're you're looking for meaning in the in in a very quiet space. Yeah. Now we're in Here a thing that we're looking expect- for meaning in a very loud space. A very loud. Yeah. That we Noisy. we expect to be exciting, but then quickly uh, it as it goes on, and because we don't get the normal visuals and sounds that make it a rush like an adrenaline rush we realize this is just as mundane as boiling potatoes and folding house cloth uh you know uh, uh, house coats yeah which one do you think is more successful at like giving us all that space is it, is it defying the genre expectations or having no genre expectation at all to i fight think against? I mean, so we we haven't got to the pit stops, and we haven't got to her right. Um, her her rest period shift. If you, if you can call it that, the the shift change. I yeah, got issues I mean, with that. So, uh, 
So, I mean, this is what I'm, you have a lot to think, a lot of time to think while you're watching right. this movie. And so one of the things I'm thinking, I mean, at this stage of the movie, I'm thinking, okay, so the the act of driving a car in an endurance race is it, it's drawing a parallel between that and doing the chores. Like this is just, it's just more work. It's just more routine. Right. Maybe this is why, like, is this why, what attracted her to this form of race car driving is the the rigor of it, the fact that you're... I mean, we can see from the background, and we know we don't know from this movie, but we know from like Ford v Ferrari that she's driving like any race. It's not it's not yeah. like the other, you know, uh, Monte Carlo or bust or the Cannibal Run coast to coast death race. Two no, we're, we're on a we're on a, a set track, if you will, even though yeah. it's actual public street, which but makes it's not it like unique. a Grand Prix where you're like zipping around stuff. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is essentially a loop. Yeah, it, it, it's a loop. It's just, right. She's it's the same. It's a routine. It's a new it's routine, a routine yeah. right? Going over and over again. It's just that one section of um, it's a mad, 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 mad world is the only other example we have of this in the that's the series is where you're you're going around and around. Um, oh right, yeah. Uh, back and forth and back and forth. The um, and so we don't have like the kind of road movie aspect of uh, no. in in this movie. But I'm I'm thinking like okay, so that's what this is like, right? And so I'm kind of waiting for the event like that happens in John Dealman one, where when she uh, spoiler alert has her second trick um, uh, as a sex worker, and something happens, and we don't know what it is. Don't know right? what, but whatever it is, it's been th- it's thrown her, and. And now we're seeing like the the variations in her routine. We're seeing, we're catching these little details where we're expecting, like, uh, that. My first reaction to 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 Jean Dielman one was it made me feel like a dog, <laughs> because I'm watching her and like I'm just patiently watching her as she's in the kitchen and then she gets out a second plate and I'm like, oh, is someone coming over? You know, but I can't ask her. I just have to wait and see, like, if someone come. Oh, there's. Oh, someone else lives here. Okay, uh, when they put in their coats, I'm like, oh, are we going out? Are we going to leave the apartment? And, um, and so this this movie had me expecting something. You know, like, well, dogs are very sensitive to routine, and so when she does something and yeah. you expect, like, oh, she walks to this room, she's going to turn the light switch off, and when she doesn't turn the light switch off, you're like, oh. Oh, my ears are perking up, right? Right, exactly. And so I'm waiting for that kind of development <laughs> here with this one. Like what's it yeah. gonna what's gonna be the thing and like how what's how's it gonna throw things out? And I don't I don't feel like you ever get it. I, I didn't get one. You know? I mean if maybe they tended Andy Warhol to be that, but I didn't I, I you're right, I did not get that same thing because like I mean, I don't know if they're substituting Le Mans for the prostitution because obviously they were trying to make the prostitution and sex just as mundane as the and, and, and routine and practical as the rest of the stuff in the first movie. So I don't know if, if basically the race itself is is setting in like in place for that. Um, but there certainly is no. I mean, I if they were trying to recapture the magic of the first one, they they, they left out the vital part, you know. Which made me, that's one of the reasons why I don't think her heart was in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's the irony of of the sequel is that the race car version 
is has less drama than the chore version, <laughs> right? Than the housework. It's weird, version. isn't it? You'd yeah, think it would it's just inherently be there, but it doesn't. It's not. And it it's so like it's so surprising and mind blowing that you wonder if that was the point, if that was like the artistic goal of yeah, of the yeah, sequel. maybe, maybe. But I don't know, like because you know that like the color of her car. So when you do see the exterior of the car, which you do a, a few times, right? Like at first. What you see of it is yellow, and I'm like thinking, oh, like yellow, like her kitchen, like so, right? Mm. So this is this is her routine, like this is this car is her kitchen now. This car is her, you know, this is where she does her chores, and her chore is passing cars, con- computing, competing laps, com- right? Um, uh, trying to win the, this race, and then at when she gets out at the pit stop and she gets out, we can see that the bottom half of the car is green. Like her bedroom. Oh. I'm thinking, oh, okay. So it was like the thrill of racing supposed to be like the what was happening in her bedroom. Like, I don't know. Like, what is that? But I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't like formulate like anything significant right. out of that. Maybe it was just like it, a throwback. Like, hey, a yeah. well, like, little fan service. Like, remember this green? Well, the, the number of the car was certainly a throwback fan service. A little callback, a little wink. The previous movie. Oh, yeah. You know, 23? Yeah. Yeah, 23. 23. Mm-hmm. Or how'd you, how'd you... Well, it could have been a Michael Jordan reference. I don't know. Could have been. Or it could be just that it was in the title of the first movie. Probably. I mean, because Michael Jordan wasn't... Wasn't yeah. Michael Jordan? He wasn't even <laughs> oh, college boy, basketball in 1977. So probably you're probably right. Although this is a futuristic prequel. <laughs> Anything's possible. Um, that would be something is to set your movie in the future and put the current year in it. What if it was called Planet of the Apes 1969? <laughs> that would really throw you off. That right? really would throw you like, huh? Like when you walk out of this theater, you're going to things have changed. Oh boy. So the pit stops. Yes. Okay, we have a few in the, in the movie, right? Um we can't really tell how she's doing in the race. There's, she has got she has a radio to communicate with her pit crew, and she right. like pointedly turns it off at one point. <laughs> she's turning off her targeting computer. <laughs> it's like that. What's wrong? Get I mean, nothing it, back. It's like her pit crew is trying to talk to her, and she just doesn't want to doesn't want decide she doesn't want to talk to them, and so she turns the radio off, I guess. Um, but at at some point, we don't know if she's low on gas. Well, no, we know. I mean, she's going to fuel up any time she has a pit stop. But she pulls into the pit stop. We don't know what the issue is. We can see that mm-hmm. she's dealing with something, but it's hard to tell what it is. Like, oil, too hot. I don't know what you She's do She's putting up a, a front even when she's alone in that car. So we don't see her, like, you know, hand-wringing about anything going on wrong with the car. We don't yeah. even know anything's wrong with the car until you kind of see the pit crew in the background as she's walking away. Yeah, kind of react like, "Oh my god!" You right. know, and they... <laughs> no, she's not a she's not a chatty Kathy. She's not yeah. going to externalize a lot for you. Um, you know, something it, I thought was really fascinating. I thought the sound design was really amazing in these sequences with the pit because you expect her to get out of the car. The engine kind of stop roaring. It's still you know, idling, but you expect when you get out of the car to hear like the outside environment, 
And then people are now talking to her and she's walking in and then going into the thing and the sound change again. It yeah. doesn't. It all stays about the same, like a little bit just to make it realistic. But it all kind of sounds like the same isolated cockpit that she's in. And I thought that was very telling about what they were trying to say. So because, how much, I mean, hmm. how much of the do you think was live sound on the set and how much do you think was ADR or fully? Well, do they do they? Because there's not a lot of didn't, I mean, Euro, didn't Europeans like always ADR everything? That's true. Yeah, I mean generally. But I think, but but but, it's pretty convincing though. I mean, yeah, it is. I you know I don't remember as much ADR in Gene Dealman. Was those, do you think that was ADR the first one? Um, I mean, so I I I have tinnitus as oh, my yeah. doctor insist on pronouncing tinnitus um <laughs> and i and i was watching in an old theater the historic yeah. michigan theater in downtown ann arbor uh, and i have hearing aids mm-hmm. so i mean so a lot of those sounds sounded really sharp to me but um it's like just the naturalism of the movie like lends me to think that it was i mean at one point there is a boom in the shot in right in uh in chore movie so I, I think, I think it was live sound mostly. Mm. Okay. So in this one, in the in the, the Le Mans, yeah. I if I thought there was any sort of sound design that really kicked into gear, it was in those segments when she's passing through from the car through the pit crew to the resting area. Yeah. Uh, because because you if it was live sound, all that would sonically change and it barely did it was really yeah. kind of interesting and it's it's all done with both long shots but a still camera which is impressive because you mm. would expect like a good fellas like oh here we are going through the you know right. like you know but it's uh no it like maintains the same visual language as the first movie even though she's like moving a good distance um, right and not taking her time right so that was pretty she, technically impressive, I thought. It was. It was technically impressive. And then what... It almost defied physics. I mean, I don't... If there was a really absurd part of this movie that you could point to as saying that that's kind of absurd is the fact that you expect her when she's coming off and the other driver walks by, the unknown driver walks by and she folds gym his neighbors. clothes for him. Gym, the gym neighbor's guy. Yeah. And he goes and he gets in the car and takes off when the pit crew's done. And Jean, Jean uh, Sean, excuse me, Jean Dealman, you think she's going to go rest, but she takes off her tracksuit. She fro- frocks her hair. Frocks her hair? That's not right. She fluffs. She uh, um, zhuzhes or what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I don't know. That sounds French. She, she sets her hair a little bit better. And then she opens a door and you think she's going to go rest, but no, she goes into another kitchen and then a she and then a kitchenette yeah, yeah it's not the same it's it's like what you would see it's not like she walks into another world like the adjustment bureau or whatever yeah she, or, i mean it's she, like she basically like, a hot plate and yeah and exactly but box, but still and then she goes in and she sets out and she sets out how many plates two two plates and we're like oh what is this is this for is this for the crew chief is jim carter getting Getting, getting some, a, uh, getting a ticket break some. from, 
Is pit work? What's going on? No, but guess what? In walks our new Sylvan with his stupid paperback. Sits down and she serves him some boiled potatoes off that hot plate. Like she's still taking care of this kid. Or, 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 or she's still taking care of him in the first movie. We don't know. Okay, because it could be a prequel. <laughs> the kid likes to read. I, I'm not anti-literacy. I'm not. No. I'm not banning books from schools. Uh, I'm not. Um, uh, I'm not part of the new censorship way. So I don't know what you have against reading. No, I just I, there's books. a thing about doing other things at the table. It, was, it could have been a far smartphone in his hand. I was about to oh, say, he should be a, engaging in the lively conversation exactly. that she's trying to initiate. Made, his mother has made dinner. You're certain it's rude. It's like wearing a hat at the table or or um, um, swearing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, come on, come on. I, I, yeah, I found him to be a very rude little boy in the first one. Okay. And, I mean, he's uh, probably just looking for some sensory input. <laughs> Touche. Be, beyond boiled potatoes, <laughs> which we all love. We all, you know, we all love Wouldn't hurt to have a little though. salt and pepper on the table, maybe a little pat of butter, but okay. You know, we can't all, we can all, uh, just because we're, you know, if you got to spend all your money on your fancy race car, maybe you got to watch the grocery bill. I don't know. Which Who actually gives, gives me a question. Do you think Sylvan knows what she's doing when he goes to bed? He never references her racing, but he's at a racetrack. He has to know. And she does laboriously take off her racing jumpsuit before, before she, she goes back there. Right. She's still got a little, I mean, she's got a little motor, like, patina. She's, you know, it's not like she's scrubbing in the bathtub before she right. goes back. Right. I mean, so she, she looks. She that kind of time. She looks like she's sweaty and. and. I mean, he just does not. Dirty. Acknowledge. And I think that's obviously another thematic part is that she, he does not acknowledge what she's doing. Because uh, obviously it's not like he's, they live at this racetrack you know this is a one he's coming to the racetrack to have dinner and then sleep there <laughs> so yeah what's he, so do they what? live there, i mean this race is once a year do they live there year round yeah or does I, know. He I, mean, just, he just, I think he's just he just doesn't care and that's why he's yeah a, i think he's a little he just doesn't care what his mother he's not uh, does yeah he just he just smells he just follows the smell of the potatoes <laughs> yeah and the Which schnitzel. Again, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just follows follows the potatoes. Oof, men. <laughs> uh, so she, she makes him dinner. She cleans up the dishes even. You think that could have waited till the next day, but she doesn't. Yeah. She's, she's got a routine. Or like they'd have somebody on the race team that would help with this right. part. Like she's, she's got an important job. That's like, the thing because you sit there the whole support. time. What's really interesting is the whole time you keep thinking she needs a pit crew in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why that pit crew yeah. should come in there? Make Why life is she a lot scrubbing easier? the dishes instead of resting? Her sponsors would be furious if they knew what she was doing in there. Maybe, maybe no one knows. Maybe no one thinks she's getting forty winks, but instead she's fulfilling writing society's check <laughs> or fulfilling cashing. No. That metaphor's got to work somehow. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Yeah. 
She's uh, writing the she check that a, society. No, she's writing, <laughs> cashing the, pay, providing the. She's paying out the money that society wrote for. Well, Never she's mind. She's got to go to the weird industrial post office slash bank slash pension house. <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> cash the check. Right. With somebody who was going to stamp it ten times. So she sleeps on a cot. This is like one clear moment of time compression. It's like a, a right. clear jump ahead in time because we, we now cut. The lights changed. It's like a jump cut, basically, or a match cut. Lights changed. She gets up. She's got to get ready to go finish the race because I guess she, I don't know if she started and finished the race. Is she like the star driver of the team? She's the star of the movie, so that would make sense. But she 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 shines Sylvan's shoes. She makes him breakfast. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so um, they don't really. He he wordlessly, you know, sits in his pajamas, all bent over his his breakfast. Um, we don't. Re- do we see her eat? Did, did she? No. She and doesn't she didn't even make herself coffee. You'd think you'd think she would want some coffee, you know, caffeinate a little bit for a 24 hour race, even if she's racing, oh. you know, 12 hours of it, but 12 Don't hours, have to go to the bathroom know, in there. Pretty yeah, intense. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe that's it. It's a diuretic, right? Or maybe the adrenaline of the races is all she needs. Maybe yeah. that's like where we're seeing her like character development here. That she's kicked. Or maybe this is, well, again, the pre- nah, this prequel business is really complicating. I my think, thoughts. I think it's a magic baby, and this is not. I, it's, yeah, it's magic just baby. More, magic it, baby. It's more straightforward for me to think that this is a sequel. Um, yeah. And I'm going to keep calling it Jean Dielman 2. Uh, I think it's just less complicated. There's less explanation poo. you have to do that way, <laughs> mentally. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. Magic baby. And so she gets gets back in her tracksuit, um, and she stands out at the pit. It's like... I mean, she, I guess she, it makes sense. Like she can't like walk out there and the car is stopped for her. She's got to be ready for when the, when the other racer comes. And so we watch her, I mean, we're watching her watch the race for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we, we don't get to see the track. We're, we're watching her like basically stare her eyes kind of moving back and forth, but not really like her eyes kind of glaze over. Right. Um, and it's like, what is she thinking about? And some of the, um, uh, the head of her pit crew, like tries to talk to her and like strategize a little bit. And she kind of, you know, she, like she doesn't even say anything in response. It's kind of like the butcher conversation again. And, um, and it's like, I guess she's just waiting until, the car comes in for its next next pit stop. Yeah. Yeah, I found I I was expecting there to be more conflict with her lack of response to the pit crew, but there isn't. It's just kind of Yeah. This is just this is the rhythm they're accustomed to and Right. Like that's how our driver is. She's stone cold. I don't know. Like yeah. that's how Maybe that's how you get the best out of. Uh... I kept thinking that's about why her she head. either wins or loses all of her races. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know because because as I don't know if we point out the movie ends before the end of the race. 
So we don't yeah, even we know don't how see how the end places. of the race. We don't see the it, it begins in the middle after the race has started and ends before it ends. So we have really no clue. This is just like life perpetuated, you know? So we yeah, have no clue if she's even good at this or not. Or, we don't even know if the race does end. Exactly. Presumably. Which might be, presum- I mean, that might be, again, part because I keep thinking the whole reason, because you, you have to sit there and go, okay, why, I mean, like, like her address in the title. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of saying that not only, it's, it's an extraordinary, and when I say extraordinary, I mean extraordinary title for a movie. Like you don't get a movie of someone's name and their address. But, uh, um, so, but what's extraordinary about it is that it's ordinary. It's like, it's just a name and an address. And so if you think about it in terms of what, how that ties to the theme of the movie, then you're, th- I'm just now thinking of this now that the, that she, Jean, Jean Dielman is synonymous with that apartment mm-hmm. that yeah. like, that yeah. like, that's what she's regulated to. Right. So now it's like her and the car and Le Mans. So the same, thematic uh, application applies so but now we've got an extraordinary uh, fantastical setting change now we're we're in a a race which you know the first movie is about an ordinary person and this one is more about you know there aren't that many race car drivers in the world statistically so like now we're talking about a very slim not the everyman you know or every woman and um yeah um where am i going with this i'm sorry well it's it's at this it's at this stage well so and so like the address is in the first movie is equivalent to her car in the second right. movie like the car is her office or the car, the car is, is her office, world right. now right and when she steps um, out of it that's like her going to the butcher shop and that's going to the thing like that but that yeah. gets skewed a but bit except it's actually her in. going into the kitchen so it's right it's, exactly you know, um it's a little fuzzy, but she does seem, it's not even that she, I mean, maybe what's striking is that her demeanor doesn't change. Like she's, right. she's, she's just not as, more at home at one place than she is at the other. Yeah. You know? Right. It's all, she's all just seems like she's just like, oh, I'm just doing what I got to do right now. Um, now at, at this stage of the movie, I am thinking, okay, so maybe, um, so if the first movie, I mean, the, the first movie is generally seen as a, a feminist statement, you know, a, a, a woman who's like struggling against an identity that she's adopted out of a, a sense of obligation, right? She, right. Um, uh, she tells, she has a conversation with Sylvan as he's going to bed. <laughs> the one time he wants to have a conversation. <laughs> This is right when she's walking out of the room. Right when she's yeah. walking around. You know, in, in Another the reason I'm not part of the Sylvan fan club. As the light switch is going off. Um, I mean, to be fair to Sylvan, she's not giving him a lot of openings, right? True. You know, I have to think She's not the way, most yeah. approachable person. Um, so, but, you know, he wants to, he wants to, you know, talk about his, his thoughts about sex and specifically his mom having it and with his father and her, um, she tells a story about how, you know, she 
married his father just because that seemed like the thing to do in her. It wasn't for his money. He didn't have money. He had lost his money, right? It wasn't for his looks. He was ugly. Um, Or maybe he wasn't, but it didn't matter. It wasn't because she was attracted to him because that was just a detail. It was like, forget about it. Like, I don't even know why that happened, right? Uh, Her... Her, it's not because of like some kind of societal obligation. Her aunts tell her not to, right? right. Um, or familiar, uh, a familial obligation, right? Yeah, right. It was just because like she didn't know what else to do. It was just like seemed like the thing that happens next. The world didn't say she had any other options but to get married and be a housewife, right? Yeah, and she... You know, I mean, we see over the first half of the movie that she doesn't really imagine an alternative for herself. There's nothing right. that she's dreaming of beyond this, right, right? Right. It's nothing. She's not like she doesn't have a song she sings about how she'd like to go off on an adventure and meet somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be a take if you're going to do a remake. Let it go in there in the middle. Yeah. Of the, yeah. If you're going to like uh, the Moana. Oh. Um, if. Yeah, if if you're gonna do Jean Dillman the musical, we gotta do this. We do the animated musical of Jean Dillman. Mm-hmm. That would you would put that in there, right? But that's totally. not that's not who this Jean Dillman is. And so, like the thing that's upsetting to her that rocks her world is that she <laughs> pleasure was a, a thing that was possible this entire time. It was like yeah. a thing that actually existed. <laughs> like, oh, I could have left the radio on and listened to that song. Yeah, you know, and enjoy and the and the anger felt from all that like this 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 sudden knowledge of the existence of pleasure being possible. Yeah, now yeah. has disrupted the very very tight routine that she has created for herself, and she yeah. can't handle that. Yeah, that she's the one who closed this world to herself, right? Like that's what the ending of of one means to me. Yeah, I would agree, I think. I mean, it's open to a lot of... I read one thing that said today that it ends with saying either an orgasm or uh, disgust with what she's doing prompts her to do the act of killing her her, her job, the person there. And I was like, oh, well, I never both. considered it. Yeah, it's both, Yeah, I guess, in a way. Well, she but, looks like she's having an orgasm doesn't want to be having it. Oh, yeah, she doesn't want to be having it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because this, you know, if you're going to have your first orgasm, asm, or first orgasm, this isn't the circumstances you'd want to have it in. Right, exactly. Right. Um, so that all makes sense. I agree. I, 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 you know, I think, I think, I completely acknowledge the fact that uh, I could not be interpreting it correctly, but I do think that that's that's what the end means to me when I saw it too. That's how I. That's that's, that's what it meant to me. So at this stage, mm-hmm. watching Jean Dillon two. I'm thinking, okay, so this is like the next stage, uh, you know, well, not next stage, but furthering the, the, the uh, yeah. like a dialogue about feminism and like, okay, so she's, um, A, got a job, right? She's a race car driver. She's like a the very, star of this team, right? Like there's yeah, a, a whole, high profile, like fantastical job, really. Yeah. And she still has to take care of the clothes and the and the tracksuit for the the man that's her co-driver that's her teammate um right. that the um the 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 pit crew like doesn't show a lot of deference to her 
Um, mm-hmm. She's still cooking meals for Sylvan, right? Um, and he's he's not reciprocating any kind of support for her. <laughs> for while being at Le Mans at the yearly <laughs> event, he doesn't even ask how the race is going. No, does it like you just like you you could uh, you'd get the the feeling that you could ask him, hey, did you know your mom's racing in Le Mans? And he'd go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, well, this dinner didn't hit the table very fast by my calculation. Um, <laughs> and so that's what I think this movie's about at this point. Yeah. But then it doesn't like, it doesn't go anywhere from there. Yeah. She just gets back in the car and it doesn't have, it doesn't have the tension of, of Jean Dillman one where this thing happened in the bedroom and you don't know what. And like, that's hanging over the entire second half of the movie is like, was she assaulted? Like, does she, you know? And so you're like, waiting for you know another you know her routine you know that a day three another john is coming and like what's gonna happen with him right what's her reaction like how is she gonna act differently towards him is um and so you, you know that's the tension of the first movie and it's right and and so this this race car movie needs something like that you know yeah like just I mean, they're hampered by the fact race. that it's one. They're hampered by the fact that it's one day. That it's twenty four hours, and I think that was that's built in. That's a built in problem right there. If they're trying to do the same thing, but so they're trying. So then they're if they're. they're you know, Sean Dockerman's smart, obviously. So yeah. she's now got the thing is like now I have to do something on a one day cycle, right? Um, I'll be an extended one day. So maybe maybe that's what they were trying to go for. The fact that the very fact that she's. First, we see that she's a race car driver. Then we see that the race car driving is just as mundane and and one foot in front of the other routine as the previous existence. Yeah. Um, And then you find out that she's doing the previous existence on top of that with no. Like, like it's like basically saying, hey, I'm an astronaut. Nobody cares. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like you've done this amazing achievement and nobody cares. They just want their boiled potatoes. You know, and then she, and then but what happens then? Does she does she then go like, well, great, great. I did all this stuff for nothing. No, she still goes back and does the race. And maybe that maybe that's what they're trying to say. I mean, maybe. But but then we get another hour plus of of her just driving. Of her just driving. Right. Like then, then you sit there and you wonder, you're were you waiting for her to drive off the road? You know, I was waiting for that, too. OK, so that's where. OK, there's my theory about what happened at the end of. OK of one is that there's the one moment. So this is where we start getting a couple more clear shots out of the side window. Right. Right. Uh, of the car. And there's the thing where she's going to be passing another car. And we'll get to that in a minute, but there's one where like we, we see that like when she's, it's the turn right after the big straightaway Mm -hmm. where, we see that her eyes are like really sharply focused on something, but we don't know, we don't see what for a long time. Right. And right. then when we finally, you know, at this stage after the second day, she's, she's on the straightaway and like, I'm like that dog again. I'm like, are we going to get to see <laughs> <laughs> what she's been looking at at, the, right. at this turn? And so we finally get that shot and there's, 
I can't tell if it's like a police car or a security car, but it it, it, yeah. I, it looks like that's what she's been focusing on as she drives past. And it's like, oh, is this like, okay, is this going to be like turn into an action scene where um, like they're they're hunting her like she's a fugitive from the law? Like she's been right. escaping capture this entire time. Like she went like we're bringing the, 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 the like up until now, this movie could be totally self-contained, but now yeah. we're bringing in the previous event movies events. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. like, you know, what the if, promise like, of it anyway, because it's sitting, all blurring out of focus. It's just lights that, that hearken that feeling, you know, yeah, kind of like yeah. the lights that are coming into the window at the end of the first movie. Exactly. And so like, so I'm thinking, okay, so like, Oh, so she yeah. decides to run for it. Like that's like right when the movie ends, like she's, we have that long shot of her sitting in the dark and staring at the window. Like, okay. Well, because what we didn't see was that she decides she's going to run for it and leave Sylvan behind. And she like jumps out that window and she climbs down, whatever like that neon sign is that's been flashing through for the whole movie and takes off. And then I don't know, comes back for Sylvan and like he's, he's hiding under the racetrack and, um, but now, like, this cop has spotted her or, like, heard her uh, announced over the PA. And so he's going to drive on the track and chase her. And we're going to get a big uh, police chase for the so second American. part of the movie. Like, this is where I'm, my mind is going. And I'm, right, yeah, totally. I'm getting really excited. But then, it, like, she just it, she just goes on. And then she we makes never a couple see more that. laps and it ends, right? We just never yeah. see that police car again. Nope. Yeah. It's kind of like the threat of punishment is always there and you just have, still have to keep doing what you're doing. You know, you still have to make those loops, even though that that's going to be there. You don't break the pattern. You just still keep going. Maybe that's what that means. You, I mean, you can, you can tell that it's story. a deflation for sure. Yeah. Right. But you can also tell the story of the police car chasing the race car during a race car race. Yeah. And you know, what if the police car like, accidentally wins the race who like what are the did the rules cover that situation right right <laughs> if, the or, or they both no like rule. she it runs off the, the track and the police win. car <laughs> she she races she turns off the track and the police car chases her, but all the other race cars follow because they think that's like the, the the new rules of the race now oh yeah now we're actually going yeah then, then that brings the 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 the, the special you know, fantastical idea of the race into the real world where they're drawing down the other. Well, you're already on yeah. the is already on the streets. And but. then they all like drive into the water and then they're splashing around and then they're like all laughing at the fact that they're splashing and getting wet. And then, and then they all realize then, that they're all everybody's human and everybody should get along. Yeah. But there has that, to be the one that the, the, the one car that crashes and then one to do the self-sacrifice. To, to to save that car. My favorite wacky race trope. Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could do all this stuff. The unexpected rescue. Yeah. And you would think that if the studio was pushing for this one, if she really did, if, if the director didn't really have her heart set on doing this particular version of this movie, you would think all these elements would be in there. Right? You would think that, that that's the, that's the stereotype. It would be it the like, smart oh, play. Make it a harbor, make it a happy ending. Do all this fun stuff. Yeah. Make the cops chase her and and stuff. You'd think that would be there. And the splashing around and everybody's happy, you know. And like throwing a funny animal. I mean, we haven't seen well, that in the series. We yet, have. But... We have Andy Warhol. We have Andy Warhol. Okay. Well, let's 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 let's, co- let's cover that. Okay. So, 
the little bit of racing drama we get in the second half is we can tell by the way she's looking sideways and like checking her mirrors, looking mm-hmm. out the side that she's she's struggling against something, right? She's really focused on something and we kind mm-hmm. of put it together that she's trying to pass another car or she's like dueling with another car, right? And uh, this is like the really funny moment when we she's like locking eyes with somebody and we can't see who, but then we get the reverse shot and the driver of the other car is Andy Warhol. This is so weird. And his car, I mean, did, did you think his car was painted like a Campbell soup can? I did. It was red and, and, uh, and white and with a white. gold. Yeah. With well, a I mean, gold, and it, uh, it said signature. Campbell's yeah. in, it's a gamble. Curse of scrap. I kept yeah. waiting for David Carradine to knock it over. That's right. Maybe that was a reference to Cannonball! Exclamation point. Why would they bring Andy Warhol with in the, <laughs> With the countryside <laughs> desert gas station with an entire top rack full of nothing Campbell's. but Campbell's soup cans. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Maybe she, I mean, I, maybe I was thinking she was like a Le Mans fan. Maybe Ackerman was a wacky race fan. Maybe she was. Now, what it would, what it would have been funny is if she had passed like four Andy Warhols, like an identity. Yeah. Like, and they all were just cars. slightly different hue to them. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been clever? That would have been as clever as that Andy would have Warhol. Been clever. <laughs> Will you do your Andy Warhol joke for me that I love so much? Which which one? It's 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 crossing. It's you do Andy my War- you do my Andy Warhol joke. No no you do it. I want you to do it. It's it's Andy I, Warhol as you will remember it better than me. <laughs> this is what I remember. Okay okay. It's uh, think sixty minutes, and at the end of sixty minutes you hear, "Hi, I'm Andy Warhol." Did you ever notice that all Campbell's soup cans look the same? <laughs> Did you ever notice that Marilyn Monroe's kind of a product of the media? <laughs> that always made me Did laugh. Did you ever just See, watch someone sleep? <laughs> See, kids, there was this guy named uh, Andy, I almost said Andy Richter, Andy Rooney. <laughs> Andy This Rectum. guy named Andy Rooney on 60 Minutes who gave these little pleasant observations in a weird tone. Pleasant, was, he was cranky. Uh, not really pleasant, he was, he was cranky. Yeah. And... <sighs> so how does this movie end? There's a, there's, a, there's a crash that we don't see. They have to finish under a yellow flag. Well, they don't finish. She has to drive under a yellow flag. She drives under a yellow flag. So she slows down to like, what, 40 miles an hour? Mm-hmm. We do see the speedometer at one point. But it's in kilometers. There is a crash that she goes by. Because in the crash happens like two full laps that we watch yeah. after she sees those police lights. She yeah. sees the police lights. That, no, well, take that back. She sees lights that we think are police. Put it that way. Right. Right. The and flashing then she does through two, her windshield on her she face. She does two full yeah. laps. 
we know there's some sort of crash because she gets the yellow flag and they have to reduce. So then we watch almost another what? I mean, is another she, full we lap? We don't even see the flag. She just mutters under her breath, yellow flag. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think you see the tip of it like just in the through the back rear windshield. But there's um but then it's like another full lap or more, right, after that, and then it just ends. Right? It's just it it Yeah. It there's just one ends. thing though. You like there's you keep th- waiting for the yellow flag to lift. You know, make right. maybe get a shot of what the crash was, and like maybe she'll like reflect on the mortality of it, or um, uh, you know, it'll the, the maybe the the driver getting hurt will make her think of the mm. the person that she stabbed no. uh, that she hurt. But no, you just end with her like she's now she's just like Sunday driving around the track. She's not racing anymore. It just was yeah, kind of like dead stare. Yeah, I think it's wondering I think it's, what she's um, thinking about. I think it's just about how it always just keeps going and never ends. I think that's the point of the movie is that you just oh like this this existence will just keep going as it is, never ending, despite anything out of the ordinary, like crashes, like the police showing up, like it's just always going to be this this way. That's kind of what I think they're doing. But there is one interesting thing. Did you notice in that last lap? Yeah, I think it. Are you thinking the same thing? Because there's a point in the race. They, they don't. They, they, God, they did it so well that they didn't. I just wonder if you noticed on that little screen. They did it so well. There's a bump in the road at the same point. I mean, yeah, yeah. every time she passes over, it's like, a, you know, just a little. It's not uh-huh. a big thing. It's not like, a oh, what did she run over? It's like, you right. know, it's a. It's just a bump. But, but on that like, last anti- lap, you start anticipating it every time, right? Yeah. Every time. You just yeah. know, oh, it's there. And then like to the point where you don't even acknowledge that you're anticipating it you just or that it's happening. You just know it happened. And then on that last lap, no bump. And what? why? It's like, how did she go through a bump? I mean, it wasn't just because she was going slower because of the little flag. Well, it could be because she was going slower. Well, maybe. I don't know, but there I was mean, that's no the bump. whole point of a speed bump is that you right? But you would be some sort of something because you're but still. Why going. would they put a speed bump in a racetrack? Well, it's not, it wasn't a speed bump. It was just something that was a bump, the, the little hump in the in the country road or whatever that they're on. But like, yeah, it was like it was it was it was deafening that it wasn't there. You know, it was yeah. like this. Oh, and then she drove for another like ten minutes, and we forget. <laughs> and then it ended, and then it ends. Yeah. So I would. So you think, you think it's just a never ending. I would. I was thinking it was kind of like reverse orgasm. Like I'm in a race car. I'm racing, but I'm not racing. Right. right. Like if I'm. Yeah, she- if like my if I've defined my existence to driving around this racetrack at two hundred miles per hour, what does it mean that I'm driving around this racetrack at forty miles per hour? Like who am I now? Right, right, right. Like why am I doing this? Right. And well, maybe that's like the never like this yellow flag. It's it's gone on for six laps. Like you know, um, like it's a long like the movie really slows down right here. Like like was it a pileup? I mean, Jesus. Yeah, we don't know lot. how bad this crash was. Is there a fire? <laughs> Those lights could be fire trucks. We don't know. They could be fire trucks, but yeah. I don't know what the European 
lights on a fire truck. We don't in for Belgian. If Belgium. they played the siren, we know, I might yeah. be able to. I used to have a, um, a, a, a a siren on my bike where I could play ambulance, fire truck, police, and so I learned from that that police went woo woo woo. But those are all U.S. ones, right? They Not were U.S. Ones. and yeah. you know, eighties. I had a pocket Terminator. 77 Belgium might have different. Well, we know from movies that police cars have different sirens than U.S. police cars. Um, Again, I think think this movie is open to more interpretation than the last one, even though the last one is also such. But um, I can't tell if that's just because of, like, thematic issues crossing over and, 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 and bumping heads. Or is it? Is this just we're doing something different now? Because you said that oh, well, she's she's a housewife, and yes, the there's there's the prostitution part that's supposed to be more that would normally be more um, sensational, but is decidedly not here. Yeah, it's um, Yeah, and they go okay. Well, what happens if we put them in a sensational career? And it's the same thing. It's kind of like you know being John Malkovich. You can put your, yourself in another, be another person. But you'll just turn that person into your same self. It's kind of yeah. like yeah. it's kind of like it's it's like it doesn't matter. It's not because you don't have a more grandiose life. It's still like this, you know. Yeah, I'm, I, that's kind of what that's kind of what at this point I'm taking from it. It um, does to me like I don't over, feel like I got it all. It does undermine the way I was reading the first movie, where yeah, like I was very much seeing this not as she's trapped or isolated when I think it's very weird when I see people describe the movie that way she's isolating herself you know Mm -hmm. when she's she's when she's given opportunities for social contact she pointedly refutes it refuses it right right. you know when she's out running errands a neighbor asks her to come over for coffee that afternoon she says she can't and then she goes and drinks coffee by herself right Right, she had the time, and that's furthering the thing of like there is no, there will be no room to experience any sort of self pleasure at all, whether that be through interactions with friends, whether that be through even with her son or with sex. It's not going to happen. Or yeah. with her son, Sylvan yeah. wants to, is trying to open up to her, and she she's like shutting him down. You know, she she can't. That's end not that what we do. This we do the, We talk. We talk at dinner. <laughs> we don't talk we, at dinner. <laughs> yeah, right. We are silent at dinner. I will read you this letter in a monotone, but that's the extent <laughs> of our conversation. Right. But yet you are not allowed to read. But then in this in <laughs> in Stop that reading. In John Dillman Sorry. 2, it's like it, I feel like it ends up saying something different and I can't tell if this is intentional or not where she has she has opted into the world of race car driving. She wasn't drafted into it. No pun no, intended. She wasn't made to do it as far as yeah. <laughs> right? Like just like she chose the the, right. the role of being a a housewife in the first one. The now she's obviously seeing more options maybe um uh, probably no one was offering her to be a race car driver in 1975 although maybe they were. <laughs> We don't know, but what but you know what she was before that. If she's if she's trapped in the same way, or if she's like stuck in the same routine in the same way, 
the fact that it's under this yellow flag, like that, that's something that's not out of her control. That's, that is out of her control, right? And it yeah. is like this external force being put on her. And now she's stuck in this mundanity and, and well, she was stuck in a repetitious cycle before, but now it's a boring repetitious cycle. Um, yeah, I think I think the thing that I was laying out there would make more have hold more water if we saw that she wanted to leave the previous world for the racing world, right? Yeah, yeah. But we don't know why she's in the racing world. You know, we don't see her make those decisions if she ever did. So ugh, <laughs> that's where it kind of all falls apart. I think. Well, well I, all we my, can hope for, all we can hope for is that is that Chantal Ackerman did make a Jean Dielman three. Yeah. Parabellum. And that we'll be able to hunt it down. And yeah, then maybe I mean, if this one, if this one, honestly, if, well, the first one defied my view for a very long time. This one defied a lot of people's view for a long time. Maybe there's a third one out there. Maybe. maybe. So guys start, start searching for uh, uh mask toys and micro machines and, uh, 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 start looking for you know all those obscure uh, Masters of the Universe toys over in Malta, and maybe we'll maybe we'll find that there's a third one, or maybe like Kelly Reichardt will take up the mantle and she'll make Jean Dielman three. Good choice. That yeah. would be she would be the one for this re- franchise reboot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it could be a legacy sequel, right? A legacy sequel? Yeah. Uh, okay. it, it's the baby. The baby is now a race car driver. Ah. And, and the baby grew up. Like the, it's not still a baby. The baby did grow up. Okay, yeah. it's not the same baby. It's not, it's not like the E-Trade commercials. Right. Like it eventually okay. right. does age. Eventually does age. We don't know how. It didn't, didn't for a couple of years. But now it does. So, yeah. Yeah. There was that time where she got out of the car and went to rest. And it wasn't until later we realized that she didn't bring the baby with her. And the baby took a lap with the other driver. Yeah, that right. was pretty exciting when that was revealed and that was only revealed when she got back in the car, did her turn and then came to the next pit stop. And then she took the baby out. And we we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That baby was in the car the whole time. And we <laughs> we didn't even mention how we find out just kind of incidentally that the car runs on boiled potatoes. Like that's the fuel. See, it's those kind of innovations that really make the sport great. My my father used to watch the Indiana Plus Five Hundred, and uh, he stopped watching when they st- when they enforced that all the cars be technologically the same, and it was uh-huh. more of a focus on the skill of the driver that was the thing you watched the race for. And Boring. Dad was like, I don't care. I want to see the technological innovations. Yeah. So that was on full force here when we watch her bring the leftover boiled potatoes from the kitchen with her. And then we see the pit crew through the window pouring the boiled potatoes yeah. into the car. And we're like, holy shit, this car runs on boiled potatoes. And it's a really big this deal then when they drop the yeah. potato because that's slowing down. You know, that's right. like adding a second to the pit stop. Your dad, did he stop watching basketball when all the players were forced to use a spherical ball? Um, like they didn't get to invent their own shapes. Well, no, he d- he did he did, but he c- tried to come back to it a little bit later and then stopped. It wasn't until you know we went to college he started watching our in used college ball. That's when he came back. Okay. But until then, he yeah, he didn't have any interest. He that, was like, I want to see rhombuses. I want to see pyramids. I want to see 
I want to see all these things. I mean, a player should get to use a duo decahedron if like that's oh, what yeah. they practiced with and they're going to get used to it and the other team won't. And, and the other team won't. Well, actually, you know, that, that's the great part. Cause you remember those little shape sorters you have as a kid? You know, the little different, different yeah. things. Isn't that the fact that teams could introduce a new shape every time there's a, um, the ball goes out of bounds, they can bring in a new shape and throw the other team. Yeah. So, like, yeah. That'd be exciting. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that makes, makes the uh, a basketball game really exciting is otherwise it's just, you know, players and their skill. And who cares about that? Of course, if you if you're using like a cube ball, and the hoop is a circle, you'd have to be some kind of genius to get it to fit through. That's why these players are really freaking smart. That's true. They go to college, right? Yeah. There was all sorts of regulations back then about like like the the the, the more pointier ones or like the cube had to be like somewhat smaller than the spherical ball because. It, it has to be able to get in somehow. I mean, you they can do the dunk. Some of them have to be dumps because you really got to cram that sucker in. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, and it was that sort of thing that really made it interesting because you're like, you're like, oh, they brought out this cube. How they gotta have to dunk it because there's no other way to make that point if you don't dunk it. I know. You know. I've always really the pyramid's admired... tricky because you can get it in one way, but you can't get it in the other way. Yeah, I've always really admired people who can do that because they would give me the test where they like put the shapes in the holes, and I uh-huh. like. I I could not get the square shape through the round hole, and I just figured I wasn't smart enough to do it. No, you're just good at basketball. That's what that meant. That was a basketball test. If you could get that through that hole, you were going on the team, like, immediately. Regardless of any other factors? Regardless of any other factor, like intelligence, height, nothing. If you could yeah. get a square if you, through that. All we need to do is get you up to the rim, and then you'll be able to slam dunk. You'll be able to slam dunk. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what they have. That's we'll we'll why figure you, out the rest of it later. Right. Well, you, your teammate will be a stair but step, a something, but you're a finisher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you do the assist. He lobs that cube or that pyramid up. You can cram that in there. That's what that whole test was about. Just about, it was just see if you're going to be on the athletic team. Well, I think they, see, I think they should have employed that same strategy in golf. Because then it would make golf as interesting as basketball used to be, you know. But now, you know, the times they are changing. They are, they are. Except for, except for Magic Baby. Magic Baby doesn't make it easier to to swallow with Magic Baby. Yeah. Swall- I just said swallow with Magic Baby in the same. Sense. Yeah, don't say swallow with Baby. I won't. I won't. So, um. Well, I think that that about wraps it up for. I think that's it. Gene Dealman too. Yeah. If you can, uh, uh, Porsche, Apple. I don't know how to say it. Apple Porsche, six hundred GT, twenty four hours of Le Mans. I'm Engli- I'm anglifying it. Nineteen seventy seven. Sure. Um, I wish we could tell you where to get this film. If you could figure it out, you tell us. Yeah, exactly. It used to be on Vimeo. If you if you out there had this video, if you found this podcast because you knew of his existence and had a copy. Make that available somehow. You or call Criterion something. You know, I'm sure they would love to have um, even a work print of this thing. Yeah, and if you're writing about Jean Dielman, Credu, Commerce 23, Brussels, whatever, like at least drop a mention of this movie in. I mean, I've, I was really disappointed, and the 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 journalism, the re, the reportage of all these film critics who 
Like, and all the readings yeah. I did about about the sight and sound pole, I never one mention of this movie. They could um, even say, oh, the ill-fated or missing movie sequel yeah, to this movie. They never mentioned right. it at all. 1,001 movies to see before you die. I mean, like, I'm not upset the- that this didn't get on the sight and sound pole. I don't think it really, it, 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 it like tracks. I wouldn't want it to take like Texas Chainsaw Massacre spot or anything. But, mm. um, but the fact that it exists, I think, warranted a mention. But yeah, and it's not if we're like, the first, I mean, then I, you know, I'll I'll take that honor. Until I, I'm going to have to think about it still a lot more because this is a this is a this is a thinker. But um, I think the first movie is more successful at this point. Um, I'm going to have to watch it again to see. Uh, no, no, as a movie, I'm saying I artistically. Think the first, John 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 Demon One, I think, is more. Yeah. Artistically successful and and more I, entertaining. I frankly, it's more those three and enough, a half yes. hours feel shorter than these three right. hours. But that's not to say this thing doesn't work, doesn't merit like a watch. For me, it's a big thumbs down. Uh, I relegate it to a, a curiosity. Big thumbs down, really? Yeah, the biggest. Well, I only have two. The bigger thumb down, and wow, the um and, and yeah, I just don't think um. I mean, unless you can see it in the big screen, and then maybe it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, you saw it on an 80 screen. I mean, it's not... (laughs) Yeah. If you can get your local AMC to show it, then I guess it'd be worth it. Right. Okay, well, tell us what you think. Um, If you have been able to track down uh, Jean Dillman, APAL Porsche, 1600 GT, 24, Le Mans, 1977. Uh, Let us know what you thought and under what circumstances you were able to find it. You can find us on Twitter at the letter U and then the words watched it wrong. Um, we are on, uh, we have a Facebook page. I, I think we've forgotten to promote our last few episodes on both Twitter and Facebook. I think that's a problem. <laughs> we did. We did. I think we need to get a little better about that. Um, <laughs> we are on Letterboxd. Uh, he is Carney of Steel. I am Siggy Lama. Actually, we're on Twitter too, under those handles. Or email us. Please email us. I like yes. email the best of all. You watched it wrong. Beautiful. All spelled out nice in English. Sorry, people from Brussels uh, and Belgium. Uh, you watched it wrong at Happy Panic. .net. And if you thought John Dealman was going to be about a used car salesman, you watched the trailer wrong. <laughs>